Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 78. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's Eric Cacciatore here, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. And we do that by listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. So it's Authority Thursday, and this is a special one, guys. This one kind of... Uh, holds some value, and I really hope that I open some people's eyes today to make a better effort to learn more about what we can do as restaurant professionals to make a uh, a change in the right direction, and that direction is uh, sustainability. Uh, what we can do to educate ourselves to, uh, you know, just make smart purchasing decisions, not for the bottom line, but for the future of our our kind for humanity. So I know it, it's really deep, but I, I have somebody on the show today who's going to be talking about Bristol Bay and what's happening with the salmon supply. Um, she and I are both uh, members of Chef's Collaborative. And if you're not familiar with Chef's Collaborative, it is a professional group whose purpose is to fix our broken food system by engaging chefs in a network that inspires and educates them to change how we source, cook, and serve food. So, uh, you know, they have a summit coming up in Denver, Colorado on the 28th to 30th. If you're in the area or if you just, you know, want to... <laughs> Make an effort to learn more. Try to make it out to that summit in Denver, Colorado. I'll have links in the show notes for you to learn more. Um, really, I'm just trying to create awareness. I, I can't throw a bunch of money at the Chef's Collaborative. I pay my, my monthly dues, but the best thing I can do and the best thing you can do is share the knowledge and spread the good word. So on that, sit back and enjoy today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Elizabeth Herendine. Elizabeth, are you ready to drop some bombs of insight today? Because that's what you'll be doing. I am. All right, let's get into it. Elizabeth has been working to protect our nation's wild salmon fisheries since 2003. Between 2003 and 2012, she has worked for the National Conservation Group Trout Unlimited, where she helped found the Why Wild program as a way to educate and engage salmon consumers in today's biggest salmon conservation issue. During the time, she migrated to Alaska and started the National Saver Bristol Bay campaign and also served as interim director for Southeast Alaska's Regional Seafood Development Association and coordinator for the Alaskans' own community-supported fishery. In January 2014, Elizabeth joined the BBRSDA as marketing director, and that stands for Bristol Bay Regional Seafood Development Association. Whoa, Elizabeth, uh, you've been a busy girl the past few years, um, so I mean, that's just a quick introduction. Why don't you dive in a little bit more and uh, kind of uncover the details of what it is you're doing? Sure, yeah, I mean, it's been, as you just Hearing my path out loud makes me realize it's been a bit of a wandering path, but maybe at the same time, it's sort of really been building 
to the point I'm at now with working directly for Bristol Bay's salmon fishery. And for those who don't know, Bristol Bay, Alaska is the world's largest sockeye salmon fishery located in the southwest corner of Alaska. It's about 270 miles from Anchorage, so it's a pretty remote place um, and just incredibly pristine. I mean, really one of the last best places for wild salmon and sockeye salmon in particular. So going back, I'd say seven years ago um, is when we first really started to hear some concerns coming out of the Bristol Bay region about the proposed pebble mine. And, you know, I often laugh because a lot of people, when they hear pebble mine, they think, oh, they want to dig up pebbles. And (laughs) and no, this would actually be um, an open pit gold and copper mine, and it would be North America's largest open pit mine. Um, foreign companies are trying to develop the pebble mine in the headwaters of Bristol Bay, where all of these sockeye salmon spawn and, you know, really do a lot of their early development as far as, as young salmon go. So just really critical salmon habitat that's in serious jeopardy from this open pit mine. So over the years, we've been forming a really unique and I think unprecedented coalition of salmon stakeholders, both in the Bristol Bay region and in Alaska, but also nationally. And just, you know, Bristol Bay native villages, commercial salmon fishermen, sport fishermen, um, recreationalists, uh, jewelers, chefs, seafood processors, you name it. I mean, folks have really been rallying together around protecting Bristol Bay salmon fishery from the pebble mine. The Environmental Protection Agency got involved in this issue a few years ago at the request of this coalition and and really at the request of the people of Bristol Bay who had concerns about what they were hearing about the Pebble Mine and its location, how it would be developed, um, and just the potential risks to the habitat and the fishery. And so the EPA conducted a scientific study, um, really a watershed assessment, looking at what would the impacts of large-scale mining be on Bristol Bay salmon resource and on the communities of Bristol Bay. You know, it's been a very long process for us, and um, the EPA conducted several, they did several peer reviews of their scientific study. Um, They collected thousands and thousands of public comments and held dozens of public hearings about the scientific study. And and really, just in this last year, um, with the release of their final watershed assessment, We're really at a place now where, you know, our country has a a real opportunity to protect Bristol Bay from the Pebble Mine um, and proactively, you know, ensure that Bristol Bay's salmon fishery remains sustainable for future generations and that it's not another tragic story, you know, how we've lost another salmon fishery. And, you know, I think that's one thing that's, that's, Bristol Bay apart, um, more so than a lot of the other the seafood issues that we face. Is this, we're getting to a point where it's really the last of the best. And I think it was a bit of a wake-up call for many of us working in the salmon conservation world and in salmon fisheries. You know, anyone who, who engages with wild salmon, I think we realize this is, you know, we really couldn't stand by and let this happen because... If you, we lose Bristol Bay, there's there's really not much left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
I mean, I mean, let me just stop you there real quick because I just want to take this opportunity, Elizabeth, to thank you because it's people like you that create awareness, that provide the opportunity for hope to sustain certain cultures that we take for granted. Uh, the, the culture of Bristol Bay in that region, the, the, you know, the source of incredible uh, food, uh, the salmon population. I mean, it's just there's so much culture that's tied into that whole um, region with their that food supply. And without people like you to you know speak up and to fight uh, for the opportunity to be able to sustain these cultures um, and to uh, continue to eat this amazingly you know delicious source of food, uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without you. So thank you very much. And um, I mean, I, before we move on, I just want to have you share with us. Uh, maybe a success quote or a mantra to get that motivational, inspirational ball going. I mean, with this type of work that you do to be a dealer of hope and to serve um, humankind really is what you're doing. I mean, you have to have some cool mantra or you know, maybe it's a quote, maybe it's a mantra that you live by that you apply to your, your life every day when you wake up. So what would that be? Yeah, well, I think in the case of, um, you know, certainly for Bristol Bay, which has been my life for for quite a few years now, it's just, you know, never hesitating to to ask for help and, and to reach out to others. And I think it's really finding shared vision mm-hmm. um, and shared goals. And it doesn't matter what your background is or, you know, I mean, I think that's just what overwhelms me and keeps me going each day in this campaign is by reaching out to others, recognizing what you have in common and your, you know, your shared goals. It's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a case like this where it's really a David and Goliath and, you know, whether it's this or climate change or, you know, many of the issues we face today, um, it's, it's really coming together um, around what we do share and, and building from that. And it's, I think Bristol Bay has just been a really powerful example of that in action. Absolutely. Um, it really has been. And, you know, the reason why I brought you here on the show today is because I am a member of Chef's Collaborative as well as you. And um, I want, I mean, I, I do, my, I make my, my donations, my $6 a month, but it's really nothing. Um, and I hope to be able to contribute more in the future. But really what I'm trying to do is just to spread the word. Um, I, I can use this show as an incredible catalyst to, uh, you know, just make people aware of what it is. Um, that we can do to uh, contribute to the collaborative and to make sustainability a reality and to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just make the changes we need to, to make to continue doing what the, living the way we live now in the future. So um, you're going to be speaking at the Chef's Collaborative, and what is it exactly that you'll be speaking on? Yeah, so I'll be, you know, I'm really honored that um, they've asked me to share an update on um, the proposed pebble mine issue and kind of what the current status of things are in Bristol Bay. Um, because we are at this really critical point right now, and it's been years in the making to get the EPA involved um, and have our country kind of at this decision point. So I'll be sort of sharing the latest on that. And I think really taking a moment to pause, you know, that now that the EPA, they just recently finished their latest public comment period, which, by the way, it sounds like over, you know, 600,000 people submitted comments in the last 60 days about the survey, which is really really incredible and, you know, also took partners like Chef's Collaborative to make that happen. Um, but my point is I, I think we have this great chance to sort of pause and reflect and really appreciate 
what it's taken to get this far and all of the people, you know, people like you helping spread the word. I mean, that's exactly what, you know, has happened over the last decade where it's just these ripples spreading out and, and we're really starting to create some pretty serious and influential ways, which is exciting. And I just, I think it's important for chefs to recognize the, the power and the influence that chefs can have, both through their purchasing decisions and, you know, how they're voting with their dollars and voting with their forks, but also using their voice as chefs to, you know, sending letters to elected officials or participating in meetings with their senators or with the EPA. And, you know, Chef Collaborate has really been a leader as far as helping organize the chef community um, and engage them in the this issue of the pebble mine in Bristol Bay. And I, I just think it provides us a really great model moving forward as we try to tackle other food issues um, in front of us. And a lot of these food issues, I think, are really daunting, especially because it is kind of the David and Goliath. And, you know, where do you start? But it's people like you, it's groups like Chef's Collaborative um, that, you know, I, I think can really help us create some of these really big positive changes um, in the food world. And, and I guess that's, that's the message I want to leave folks next week. It's, you know, let's celebrate where we've gotten, um, you know, specifically in Bristol Bay, but, you know, let's also really let's keep rallying and keep, you know, build off of this momentum and, you know, never forget that the power we all have um, at any point in the supply chain to, to really make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, and it all starts with education, and that's exactly what we're doing or what you're doing uh, with your efforts um, with Bristol Bay and, you know, being a, such a huge contributor to the Chefs Collaborative. But, I mean, I really do think that, you know, everyone's on this, what they call the, you know, farm-to-fork, uh, you know, trend, but it's I really don't think it's a trend. I honestly think and believe wholeheartedly that it's a pivotal point in you know uh in culture in our civilization that we're seeing what we've done and that we have to move in a different direction and it, it's really promising and i i do think that there is hope for us um through organizations like your own and chefs collaborative creating the awareness so thank you it all started with folks like you um so for people at home that aren't completely familiar with chefs collaborative and maybe they're getting inspired and they're thinking to themselves maybe i should be doing more Tell us a little bit more about Chefs Collaborative and their purpose. Yeah, so Chefs Collaborative, I mean, they, you know, started a while ago as, you know, I think it was a group of chefs who came together, you know, again, it was around sort of a shared shared vision and shared goals um, because they recognized things needed to be different. And, you know, to have the most impact, it, it requires working together. Um, and building community around that shared vision. And, you know, in the case of Chef's Collaborative, it's really about a sustainable uh, food system um, and, you know, tapping into the food service industry to help create that sustainable food system. So, I mean, they just do an incredible job. You know, they've just built this national network of chefs and food providers and producers and others um, in the industry who who value sustainable food and value the people, you know, people like Bristol Bay salmon fishermen mm -hmm. and really value the people and the place, um, the places where our food comes from. Absolutely. And sort of helping, helping reconnect both chefs and, you know, just the public with, with those places and with those stories. Yeah. And, you know, that adds value to our food and, you know, when food has value, then 
people appreciate it more and it, it just trickles out from there. So they, you know, it, it's really a very powerful, um, you know, sort of one of my favorite <laughs> groups because it's just a really powerful community. And, you know, for Bristol Bay, I mean, I have been working with members of Chef's Collaborative for years now, and I'm just always so overwhelmed with their support and with their passion and how they they make time, you know. I mean, any chef is incredibly, incredibly busy. It's a, you know, really intense lifestyle, and yet they make time mm-hmm. to make those phone calls to their senators or to host a dinner that promotes Bristol Bay Sockeye and you know, they, they really make time for the things that matter to them and that they value and, you know, in this case, sustainable food. So, I mean, on the topic of sustainable food and, you know, is, can you think of a resource, maybe a book that would be a good place for somebody to start if they want to learn more that will help create the big picture of what it is exactly that we're up against um, with this problem we've created for ourselves? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. You know, as just a consumer, a member of the public, I mean, I, I got to say, I mean, I know it's been around a while, but I think Omnivore's Dilemma for me was a real eye-opener as far as kind of what what's in place mm-hmm. and, you know, what do we have to work with and laying that out in, you know, a way that was, I don't know, for me, you know, not an expert on, on all these you know, on corn or whatever. I mean, (laughs) Michael Pollan just, you know, really does it in a way that I I think there's a reason he's been, has really um, helped kick things in motion. I I just think that book was really, it's a great starting point and launching point for someone looking to, to become more informed and get a better sense of the, the current landscape. And from there, you know, it's figuring out where do we go from here. I mean, I think it's just a matter of educating yourself and just becoming aware of what it is that we've done in the past and how that direction we took, you know, is how it, it just steered us in such this in this direction that is not good for the long haul. And um, I was really hoping you would, you know, suggest this book. I just started reading it. Um, I've had it on my wish list for a while, and I, I wish I started it sooner. I mean, it's just really um, eye-opening, and it just yeah. changed your view and really have you or help you have a better, um, you know, vision and view on food as, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really just, I mean, words can't explain how important it is. If you're in the food and beverage industry, you need to read this book because you just need to, you owe it to yourself to educate yourself. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for sharing that book and uh, creating awareness about that book. Excuse the interruption, guys. I just wanted to remind you that if you are interested in this book we're discussing, you can pick it up in the show notes, www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 78. We will have links to everything we discussed, including the links to to this book um, over at Amazon and audible.com. And if you're not familiar with Audible, it's a library of audiobooks, and this book is on audio. You can get this book for free at audible.com by going to www.audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. And just a reminder, I am paying for this podcast out of pocket. Any support you are willing to give me, um, the best way to support me is just to use the links in my show notes because I get a commission on those links at no extra cost to you. And, um, you know, it just the words can't ex- explain my gratitude when you use my links and help support the show and help this uh, resource continuing, uh, you know, to go on. So uh, with that, we'll head back to the show. Thanks for your time. 
Um, so what's the next step? What can chefs do at home today to help in the effort and engage with the community like Chefs Collaborative? Yeah, well, I mean, my world is so small. I mean, I'm so focused on Bristol Bay lately. You know, in the case of Bristol Bay, um, which I know is a real priority for Chefs Collaborative, um, you know, it will be over the coming months. It's, I mean, it's a few things. One, I, I think it's, you know, for chefs, you know, just to become more educated themselves about, you know, where is their salmon coming from? Is it from Bristol Bay, Alaska? And, and really just starting to ask some of those questions with some of these ingredients and foods where, you know, there's, it's not just another piece of fish. There's so much more with it. There's a native culture that's been around thousands of years. There's, you know, the world's largest sockeye salmon fishery that produces $1.5 billion each year for the U.S. economy. I mean, there's there's so much more um, to these foods that I think are easy to, to maybe take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and after getting educated, it's, it's really starting to to use your voice as a chef um, and use your dollars and think about, you know, how you're using your dollars and, you know, investing it in in the foods or in the industries that you believe in and that reflect your values. But, you know, again, in the case of Bristol Bay, it's, you know, if you value wild salmon and really value sustainability of both our natural environment as well as, you know, economic world, then, you know, just thinking about, you know, your, your dollars matter and they, they really add up. And, you know, I guess the last thing is just helping educate the people that you're, you're feeding and that you're serving. I mean, people really look to chefs as, you know, the source of information or, you know, the folks who help start trends or, you know, but I think more and more, I mean, I think you're exactly right. That's the farm to table and all that. I mean, it's, it's not an option. We're at a point where we have to change our industry because we're killing ourselves as far as health goes and nutrition and, and the natural world around us. I mean, if we put an open pit mine in Bristol Bay for, I mean, all we're going to have is gold and no more salmon and we can't eat gold, you know, <laughs> so it's, you know, I think Seth's just thinking about how to help engage, engage others, educate um, who they're serving and, and make it fun. You know, I always tell folks we're, we're not just trying to save Bristol Bay sockeye salmon, but we're, we're really trying to savor it as mm-hmm. well and celebrate it. And the more we celebrate foods like Bristol Bay sockeye and places like Bristol Bay, Alaska, and these real treasures we have, you know, threats like Pebble Mine aren't going to be as big anymore um, yeah. because we'll have the public awareness and the public willpower, too, to to say no in the case of Bristol Bay and say, no, some places are worth protecting, some foods are worth protecting for the future. And, you know, I, I hope folks hearing this or, you know, certainly members of Chef's Collaborative, I, I think they get that, you know, Bristol Bay sockeye matters. And it's, again, something we should be favoring and celebrating as much as possible. Absolutely. And I mean, I've asked all the questions I had planned to uh, ask you today, but is there any question you think I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Um, I'm happy to, I can refer folks to where they can get more um, information if that's um, yeah, so um, additive. I mean, please do tell us tell us how we can connect and uh, tell us where we can go to get more information to help your cause and to um, create a future for the salmon population. Yeah, so if, you know, for folks that are interested in just learning more about Bristol Bay's salmon and story, you can go to bristolbaysockeye.org. 
Um, we're also pretty active on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, we're at BB Sockeye. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think just staying connected and, you know, building this community of consumers who value wild salmon and value sustainable seafood and, you know, everything that it represents, it's, you know, that's just a great way to, to stay informed about what we're doing. I know Chef's Collaborative, um, they've been doing a lot of outreach about the Bristol Bay issue too. So just staying connected to groups like Chef's Collaborative, I think is a really great way to just kind of have the latest information and updates about what's going on and, and ways that, you know, we can all stay involved and be engaged consumers. Awesome. And uh, before I let you go, I ask all my guests, um, who's one restaurant professional, somebody you really admire that you think would make an incredible mentor on the show? Yeah, well, one of my um, go-to chefs, and and I just have really enjoyed getting to know him over the years is um, uh, Chef Kevin Davis here in Seattle. He started created Stillhead Diner, which is a Seattle favorite, as well as Blue Acre Seafood. And he's someone who I think really stands out for me because he he walks the talk and he always makes time for the things that matter to him. And you know, despite having four kids and running two restaurants and you know, I mean, his to do list is insane. You know, just recently he helped help us prepare some special Bristol Bay sake appetizers to share at a conference. And just he makes time for the things he believes in and values. And I, I just think we could all do more of that as people. It's just, you know, making time in our life personally and professionally um, for the things that you know, make us happier and that inspire us and that we believe in. And I just think Kevin Davis really, really is a great example of that. Well, I hope Chef Davis sees the value in what I'm trying to do with my podcast and makes the time for me because I think it would be great to get you on the show, Chef Davis. So if you're listening to this, look out, I'm coming after you. And, uh, Elizabeth, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for making the time in your very, very busy schedule right now to help spread awareness about Chefs Collaborative and what we can do to help out the future fish populations in Bristol's Bay. Or in Bristol Bay, um, it's just there's not enough we can do, and uh, I hope people at home. I hope we struck a vein with you and created some awareness, and don't just you know think about it, do something about it. And I guess that's my last parting piece of uh, wisdom. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up, Elizabeth? No, thanks so much for, for having me. It was great talking with you. It was absolutely my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple, or next week at uh, the summit. I'll be sure to introduce myself and say hello. Awesome. Yeah, see you in Boulder. Sounds good. Best of luck, and we'll see you soon. Okay, thank you. All right. There you guys have it. Another great show. I mean, just so valuable uh, just to know that people, it's so, I, I, words can't explain it. It's so heartwarming to know that people just care so much to dedicate their lives to creating awareness and to make a conscious effort to change the future and to get us back on the right path. Um, if you haven't heard of Omnivore's Dilemma and you want to learn more, it's really an incredible book that just gets you thinking about the big picture and what we've done in the past and what we need to do about the future to sustain what it is that makes us us, our culture. Uh, we need to go back to the old ways, slow food and 
bigger and cheaper isn't always better. So we need to know that and we need to support our local purveyors and to go back to the old ways and go back to practicing what it is that made us who we are. Uh, like Gandhi says, be the change you want to see in the world. It's not enough just to know and be aware. You have to act. And that's my uh, piece of you know advice and one thing I want to leave you with today. So if you haven't uh, looked into heading over to Denver for the summit, if you can get there, if you're within like a two-hour car drive, if you're in Denver or if you're in Colorado, I mean, uh, just try to make an effort to, to get out there and just to educate yourself. You will not regret it. I'll have links in the show notes. And uh, on that, I guess I will say goodbye. And if you are going to be in Denver, I will be there at the Chefs Collaborative. Please connect with me. Um, if you think you're a good fit for the show and you want to share your story and advice, I will get your information. We will schedule a day to have you on. And I just can't wait to meet more passionate indie restaurant owners and people that can contribute to this melting pot of mentors. So, Until next time, peace out.